0: My next guest is an international and award-winning speaker who has shared her message on stages across Europe, including at Forbes Under 30. She has also been recognised by the Financial Times as a top 20 future female leader and global champion of women in business. She supports C-suite clients on multi-million dollar deals and holds board positions in these companies going through a financial turnaround. She is now known as the Witch of Wall Street, which is the home for wealth and woo. The only community where you will find women speaking about investing, stocks and market trends as much as full moon rituals, manifestation and the matrix. And today I have the great honour of learning a little bit more about... Laura Tynan. Laura, it is an absolute pleasure and a privilege. Welcome to Go Do You and thank you for taking the time to talk to me this morning.
1: Thank you so much, Amy-Jane. I'm so excited to
0: be here with you. Oh, thank you, Laura. So you were born and raised in Cork. I believe we went to the same school. Did you go to Sculver as well? Sure did, yes. (laughs) Ah, I love it. And then you went on to UCC and you did a finance degree. Is that right?
1: Exactly, yeah. Study Finance
0: at UCC. Fab. And where are you based at the moment, Laura?
1: So right now I'm between London and Spain. Um, so London's my base, but my business is very virtual. Um, so travel around a lot, so which is really nice.
0: Oh, I love that. Uh so after graduating college, you ended up working for two of the big four companies. Uh, for anyone who isn't aware, the big four are the four largest professional service networks in the world. They include Deloitte, Ernest & Young, KPMG, PwC. They are the four largest global accounting networks as measured by revenue. How did you find your, t- your time in the corporate finance world and what led you to leave that world and begin your own entrepreneurial journey?
1: Ah. Uh- Amy Jane, what a big question. Um, It's been a journey there. So, I mean, my background to even get into the study of finance at UCC was by chance in one way. I liked maths, I liked business, and I figured finance would be a good next step. Um, You know, my family certainly aren't connected in that world. I didn't have anyone opening a door saying, this would be a great career path for you. I just figured, hey, like, I don't really know what else to do. And maths and economics and business were things I liked. So, I ended up in finance. My first year there, I remember hearing that the big four were coming to university, and I didn't know what the big four were, so that's <laughs> just a like a background of where I was coming into things from, um, but as they do, the big four come around the universities, and when I was getting to my final year, interviewed with them, and got an amazing opportunity to go work with Deloitte and Dublin and their corporate finance practice, um, so that has been a whole journey. I ended up working in forensic accounting, doing all the fraud investigations in Dublin. Ooh. People loved seeing me coming into their office. Yes. They'd stick me <laughs> in the dusty, cold office at the back of the, you know, the building, and yeah. they'd dump boxes on my desk and be like, <sighs> all right, here, do your work. So um that was always fun. And I guess the pivotal moment that I knew it was time for me to leave Deloitte, you know, it was a four-year contract I was on. I, I qualified as a chartered accountant and had an offer to continue on with the firm if that was something I wanted to do. And at the same time, I guess this is important to weave in, which makes sense why I talk about Wealth and Woo, is that I had come across this man named Bob Proctor by chance through Instagram when it just first came out. And he was over in Canada and he was doing this live webinar that he was streaming. So I attended this for four days and I was mind blown. I had very 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 briefly engaged in like law of attraction Mm -hmm. when I was 19 and I had an understanding but didn't really know how the mind works how we create things in our reality like the power of the energy around us and so having spent four days watching Bob teach I was hooked I was like I need to know more and found out that he was doing this event called the matrix it's like a seven day intensive in Toronto um I had to get the courage up even to call the sales guy and find out how much it was. So yes, I, was so I,
0: I did read a little bit about that. And you say that it it genuinely changed the trajectory of your life.
1: A hundred percent. God, And this is when it comes down to sometimes when you make an investment in yourself, if you make a good investment in yourself, it always comes back tenfold. And it's the only investment like you'll never regret making because. When you grow and you expand, the things around you change as well. So you're yeah. changing so much internally, your external environment has to change. Yeah. So um, there's so many routes I can go down with this story, but yeah. I'll try to yeah. stick yeah. to your you're question. Good. I'm
0: hooked. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I remember like building up the courage to get on the phone with this sales guy. And he's like, We think you'd be a great fit. You know, now I know he was doing a brilliant sales pitch on me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and he was saying, so I asked him how much would it be and he was like it's 15,000 to come over. Of course you need to cover your own flights and your own accommodation, all those things. And I was just graduating as a trainee accountant. So anyone who's been in the big four knows the salaries are not that
0: great. That's a lot of money, it was, yeah.
1: It was a lot of money. It was probably about 70 to 80% of what I was taking home. Oh my <laughs> god, yeah. It wasn't so I remember thinking like I don't have that money sitting around and he was like can you ask a family member or friends and I just laughed in his face I was like yeah. really like, yeah. no. can I
0: just have 15 grand there please <laughs> I promise like, I'll pay it back <laughs> exactly so you get what I'm coming from so yeah. I was like that's
1: I'm not calling up mom being like hey I just want to go to Toronto to see this like yeah, yeah. guy you know he's teaching some stuff um so that wasn't happening and he's like, do you have a credit card? I was like, yes, I do. It has a 600 euro limit on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so like, yeah. That's yeah. Not
0: gonna be <laughs>
1: Reality. Exactly. Um, and he was like, well, I really believe like you're going to come and you're going to make this happen and whatever. So when I got off the phone, I remember just sitting there and I was like, how can I make this happen? Like, I just felt so drawn to go and do this. And so I'd never taken out a loan before, but I went online and I applied for it. And then it was approved within 30 minutes. So I'm calling him back up and I was like, I have the money. I'll make the transfer now. And literally seven days later, I'm on the plane to fly to Toronto and, and go to this event with Bob Proctor. And oh and that decision, that leap of faith that, holy shit, if this doesn't work out, I'm really screwed with this massive yeah, loan. Yeah. But what if it does? Yes. And it did. And it, it changed how I thought it changed, how I looked at things. I came back, I, I quit my job. HR called me and they thought it was crazy. They thought it was going through some like mental breakdown. Crisis, yeah. Yeah. Later day they called me and they were like, we're really concerned. Like you have nothing else lined up. You're quitting this great opportunity. And I was like, I know, I just, I just know there's something else for me. And when I look around, there's no one here that I want to be like. So why would I stay in this firm with all due respect to everyone working there, but there was no one that looked around and was like, I'd love their job.
0: Okay. I would love
1: to do that. So I wasn't aspiring to any role that I saw around me. And um, that's
0: important. Yeah.
1: You need something to look at and be like, I want to get there. That's why I'm going to work hard. And, you know, because for anyone who's like going to work and they hate their job, it's like, well, you have a choice and it may not feel like it. And mm-hmm. I don't say that flippantly, but it's like, you know, you have a choice, they're paying you, you're turning up. If you don't want to do that anymore, you can ask them to stop paying you and you can you can find something else. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, true. So I moved back to Cork and everyone around me thought that was like kind of crazy. They're like, wow, you're taking a step back, like you're going yeah. back to Cork. It's a smaller, you know, business circle. It's much smaller firms compared to Dublin. They were like, oh, that's people kind of were looking at me. Really interesting is to say. Yeah. But I was just sticking with this what, what Bob was teaching me. I believed there was something bigger coming. And I was three weeks working. I ended up working with EY back in Cork. Okay. And I was okay. only three weeks in that company when my manager came and was like, hey, can you go back up to Dublin? And um, There's this gig after coming up. It's financial restructuring. There's a big oil and gas company. They need someone to help out on cash flow. And I was like, okay, well, how long is it for? They said a week. I was like, fine, let's go. Yeah. And I ended up working with the most amazing guy. He. It was a small team from London who had come over. They wanted someone from the Irish team to help out. I just by chance was asked to go and do this. Um, the boss who was leading that project, the partner, was really impressed by me. We turned up in court on the first day. Like it was a, wow. a crazy yeah. experience. Yeah. And about six weeks in, he was like, I would love for you to come work with me. We have this team called the Center of Excellence in EY in London, which basically meant we were across EMEA traveling around helping smaller firm or smaller teams win work. And so it was the most exciting chapter of my life. It was the vision that 19 year old me walking into the halls of UCC studying finance only could have dreamed of. Yeah. And it was incredible. And Laura,
0: how from that then did you get into the corporate coaching? I know you had a business, uh, Make Millions to Impact Millions. How was that born? How did that come across? And, And can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Absolutely. So again, a really pivotal moment. I had just landed in London, and my boss—he was really well known within that circle. He was a very influential businessman, and I remember he's saying to me, "He's like, oh, I heard that there's this Bloomberg event happening for women in finance. I think you should go to this." And you know, just to put some context, so that I was one of like eight women in my finance year in in UCC. There were probably like sixty of us when I worked at. Deloitte there were no female partners within my department at the time so there wasn't like so this idea of gender equality was there but I just didn't see it you know okay. I grew up always okay. being told like go do whatever you want to do you can do it you know yeah. I was one of three yeah. girls I went to so all girls school so there was never like this awareness of oh maybe being a woman there might be some inequity or something going on mm-hmm. until I went to London and then I went to this Women in Finance event. And honestly, I went there wondering, like, why are we having a Women in Finance event? I didn't get it, but I thought it might be a good networking opportunity since I just arrived. And I'll never forget this moment, Amy Jane. I'm sitting like six rows back from the front in these downstairs in the basement in this event space within Bloomberg in East London. And this woman comes on stage. She's the CEO of an organization called 100 Women in Finance. Her name is Amanda Pullinger. And she's very proper, very British, wonderful woman. And I remember sitting there with my, like, just in awe of what she was saying, like, mind blown. She said, at the current rate of progress, it's going to take 120 years until we achieve gender equality. And it was the first time I ever heard something like that. It was the first time I think I actually had a realization that there may be some inequality between men and women yeah. in that space.
0: Yeah.
1: And something in me and I don't even know what it was but something in me just shifted and I was like I can't just sit here and not do anything about this and you know my god willing I had this dream one day to have a daughter of my own and I was like I could never look at her in the face and be like mom did nothing yeah you know I was like I have to do something and I don't know why as like a 26 year old I was having that like you felt a uh, purpose yeah it came to you your purpose it became very personal. And so it took me on this journey of, you know, I'd shared our gender equality network with the new I started working with their global leadership on how we can make a real difference, start hosting events. I started coaching other women in my industry, using the things I'd learned from like Bob Proctor. And I'd gone to America, I'd trained with Tony Robbins. And so I started just coaching naturally because I really wanted to make a difference. At the time I was using those tools to get ahead in my career. So I was holding board positions. As you said, I was working with the very C-suite level. It was you know, first name basis with our global leaders. I had accelerated my career so fast Mm. and every boardroom I walked into, I was the only woman. And I just felt this deep sense of this needs to be different. Yeah, yeah. So So. that moment just triggered this whole journey of really putting intentional focus on, I need to, and I desire, like I have this deep desire to want to help other women to succeed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the seed of where, This whole journey, ever since, has unfolded. I never in a million years would have thought I would be running my own business. I was definitely like focused on partner track. I wanted to become a global leader of the firm and move on with my life and just stay at home. But the turning point came, and then, yeah, that's how it all unfolded, I guess, from there.
0: And then that make millions to impact millions evolved into a financial education business. That's when the witch of wall street was born is that right
1: (laughs) exactly that's when i began to own that new identity so initially make millions to impact millions it was coaching for women it was business coaching and the reason we chose that name was because women naturally the women i've come across tend to be very service-based they want to do good for others if they make money they feel this need to justify like but this is for my family or i want to do good in the world i want to make an impact which is so amazing but it's like let's also just change the narrative around women claiming that, hey, I want to make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So it was a play on that thing to, and I guess that was the seed of where the Witch of Wall Street came from, because even in the business coaching, I would take women through all the the whole system about how do you start your business? And at the back end, I would plug in an investing piece because every single woman I spoke to, no one knew what to do with their money. And I was like, let me just teach them a little bit about investing. Yes. And that became more and more obvious that this was, such a massive need and then he began to realize I can't truly talk about female empowerment if I'm not talking about female financial empowerment okay and that realization birthed I guess the witch of Wall Street which is very much what we do today and this is this is the vision for the future now
0: and you empower women to be confident I suppose investing in stock markets improve their relationship with money in general I suppose
1: yeah absolutely I mean you know, as well, like growing up in Ireland, but like growing up anywhere, the whole topic of money is such a taboo. There's such gender stereotypes around like women and money or women investing. And like there's a default of like, oh, the man is just better with money. I'll wait for my partner to take it mm. up, take to handle it. Or, oh, the man of the house will just take care of the finances, whatever the situation is. So there's just this default assumption. And when you look back at the history of women and money, you can understand why. But. That's the default. To even talk about money is taboo. It's seen as rude in a lot of circles. It certainly was for me. I never asked my colleagues what they were making. I never thought about negotiating. I never thought when I was like 18, 19, maybe I won't spend that money on reds going out yeah. on a night out. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I'll go invest it. Like yeah. That would have been wild I thought I had to be ultra wealthy. Only the super rich could invest.
0: I must you know? say, I am definitely guilty of that because somebody would say to me, oh yeah, and what does he earn? Is she earn? And I'd be like, I don't know. I couldn't ask them what they're earning. Or, you know, I, I'm definitely a little bit guilty of that myself. So I can totally get where you're coming from.
1: I understand, but it's not set up where there's transparency. And there's yeah. a reason for that.
0: Yeah, that's and true. That's why Very my... true, actually. Yes, yeah. There's
1: a reason for all of it. Yeah. It's not just. I chance that women especially that I've worked with and men too, of course, but, you know, my passion is to really work with women.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. But there's a reason these beliefs are in place, because, you know, if you're a person who can think for themselves and is in, and is financially empowered, then you're quite
0: dangerous in yes. a sense. Oh, you're so right. Um, uh, Laura, if you don't mind me asking, so you call yourself the Witch of Wall Street. Um, and I've heard you talk about witchery on your on your podcast. What exactly, and excuse my ignorance, but what exactly is witchery? Are you just talking about the magic of manifestation?
1: So it's a bit of both. I mean, the choice of the word witch is very intentional because even if we look back at history, at like St. Patrick getting rid of the snakes, it was the witches. It was people who are in tune, can you know, use their own inherent abilities gifts to heal people and um, women have a very strong predisposition to be able to do this we're very connected we're very in tune people say that all the time oh women are just very in tune they just know things mm. that's not that just by chance there's a very clear reason why that's the case so for me choosing the word witchery is a bit it's a little bit um provoking intentionally mm-hmm. because to be claiming that you're a witch is kind of like, Whoa. you know, hundred years ago, we will all be burned for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then to man- like to match that with financial empowerment for women, again, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, were women even allowed to open up bank accounts in their own name without a male cosigner? So it's like, let's just really tackle head on some of the big taboos that exist for women. And the witchery side of it is that it's getting, it's coming back internal first as my time spent with Bob made me realize so intensely that when we change our environment internally, it changes our environment externally, and that we have so much power we just don't realize it. We've never been taught about it. We've never been supported to tap into it. But we have the power indefinitely to create anything that we truly desire. And so, this invitation for women to like engage and immerse themselves in the the witchiness is to come back to the truth of their power, which is the magic of manifestation. And I call it woo because sometimes people use the word woo as being dismissive. And it's not, I take women through the whole process of manifestation, but down to the quantum physics of it. So for my women that join me, who are like super logical and they need the backup, I'm like, here's the data. Let's look at the science of this. Let's look down to like an atom level of how everything is created. And let's look at how everything is energy. And how your mind has the ability to manipulate that energy around you so you can literally change your environment. You can change anything around you, but you've got to change internally first because we're like the station, right? So it's like whatever we're putting out, we're attracting back. And when you understand it from a very scientific point of view, if that's where you need to go, it becomes an absolute. It's not a hoping wishing. It's a, it's a fact. This is yeah. where I'm going and this
0: is what's happening. Wow, Laura, I am hooked already. I'm like, yes, yes. Um, how have you found that women think differently to men when it comes to parting their money? Are they more gutsy and brave or are they more shy and nervous to part ways with their euros, I suppose? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, you know, I think when you look back at the media and how money is Conveyed or message mm. to women, um, you know the studies are there. But when they talk to men in newspapers and in articles, it's like, you know, be brave, go out there, invest, take a risk. And then when they talk to women, it's like, you know, how do you budget for your grocery spend? How do you save your pennies? So it's a much mm. more restrictive, like, save, be really cautious. Yeah. And oh, we need to realize it's not like. Any one woman is born into this world and is like, hey, I'm going to choose this identity with this belief system. Mm -hmm. Like it's programmed from day one, you know, and it's it's moments like me going to Bob Proctor that you kind of wake up and go, wow, that's a lot of programming to work through. But it's there from the get go. It's like, you know, the Disney fairy tale. And I love Disney, but it's like the fairy tale, the damsel in distress, the man's going to come save you. And that's so wonderful. But like. What's going on? How do we how do we expect then as grown women that we don't have that programming in place? And, um, you know, and this isn't a men versus women conversation. This isn't like, Oh, men are anything, but it's like, men have their own things to work through because on the flip side, they have the
0: Macho. responsibility of
1: like, and show emotion. Yes. gotta always be, you know, so that's a whole other thing. Now there's so many amazing people out there working specifically with men who can support them through that. It's just not where I'm at. Mm-hmm. My focus is women. So That kind of programming from day one does influence how women approach things. Um, And that needs to
0: change. Yeah.
1: Well, if we look at building wealth, right, so one of the reasons I'm so passionate about teaching women how to invest as the very forefront of what we do in The Witch of Wall Street, it's like, yes, we talk about the manifestation, the magic, personal finances, but it's like the investing piece is because it's the only true way for the majority of women to build wealth. you can put your money in a savings account and next year it's going to be worth less. And if that's all you're doing for your life, the hundred grand that's just say over the course of your life could be worth 70. Like you're losing money over time. And it's like this messaging to women to save money, be good with money, be frugal is actually really damaging because they're not building wealth then. And again, if we look at history, it's like women didn't get access to the opportunities to build wealth. So I really want to convey, and this is something I talk about for any woman who's like, oh, it feels really intimidating. I feel really bad that I don't know this, or I feel a bit of shame or any negative emotion coming up around it. It's like, take that burden off yourself because it was only the 60s, 70s that we even got opportunities to have bank accounts, credit cards, mortgages. Like it's not that long ago. So if you're feeling like you're not the most confident with this thing, like understand It was set up structurally in society that that was the case. Mm -hmm. You weren't meant to feel confident around it. And that's what it
0: is. It all boils down from what even just listening to you now is from confidence, because I would have been guilty of having savings and having them in a bank account and being like, well, I just leave them there because at least I know they're safe there until I figure out what I'm going to do with them. You know, so and that's just me not having the confidence or the knowledge to go and do something with it. So I think geez. Laura, I have been watching your journey and I just love how you know what you want to do. You are fantastic at it and you are not afraid to go af- go after it and enjoy it. You're also not afraid to change direction if needs be, which we love on Go Do You. Um, I would love to know where and when you think your self-belief was born. Um, you
1: know,
0: I was actually thinking about this earlier and like why
1: do I do what I do and the memory that came back of is being like five years old I'm out in Connolly Road in Ballyfahan at my grandparents house it's like yeah. a small three-bed house that has 11 kids um and I'm in the front room with my granddad and I'm practicing my prose I was doing a speech and drama competition that day and for whatever reason it's this memory has been ingrained in my mind as one of the key memories of my grandfather of him looking at me after finishing my my practice to him and he yeah. was like Laura right, you have just as good a chance as anybody else to win so don't you forget that and I like, go give it your best Love it. and there was something about that that just stuck with me and then I went to the competition and I came first place and I couldn't wait yeah. to call him and let him know yeah but like as a little girl like that belief just dug in and it stuck yeah and so it just was this always this belief of I can do it and I yeah. never was told I couldn't and so, you know, that's why when I got to London and I started to see that there was this thing called gender inequality, I was shocked. I was like, well, how? You know, yeah. but the reality was it was there all along. I just never saw it. Mm-hmm. I just I went for it regardless. I went for the job opportunity. I, I you know, put myself forward for things. I, I came out on top because I just believed that, well, of course, I can. And I wasn't from like an ego point. I just my child was told that I could. So. That's
0: what I believed. I love that because it is so important, isn't it? It's just pivotal. Uh, Can you tell us a bit about any obstacles that came in your way, uh, Laura, on your journey um, and how you overcame them? I only ask because I think it inspires people when they hear, oh my God, she's so successful and she's doing this and that, but I'm coming across this challenge and I'm coming across this hurdle. And then when they see someone like you know that it's not a straight line, then it inspires us to keep going, I think.
1: Yeah, my only question is, which year do you want to talk about?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Still, um, any big one that comes to mind that maybe just set you back and maybe made you question, look, am I doing the right thing?
1: Yeah, I mean, two key ones, like, you know, I'll give you one for maybe corporate for anyone who's visiting in that environment and then one on the whole entrepreneurship journey. But I remember back in corporate when I moved to London, you know, I was this like new fresh face into the London office. I'd come over, my boss was American. We were now working in this little team. We were making millions. We were getting a lot of like support. And I just kind of, for a lot of people, really triggered them. And I got a lot of pushback. I got like comments from you know some of my colleagues being like, who's this Irish bugger who's after coming over, go back, you know, your culture and all these kind of like pretty derogative terms coming up and like yeah. really just unfortunate um, criticisms, I suppose. And then equally from senior partners as well, there was, you know, I was going for promotion. I had everything they needed for it. The global partners behind me, but I had like our people partner send really nasty email about me. He'd never met me. He didn't know anything about my work, but he was like a lifer in the firm. He'd been there since he was like 17. And so to see someone like me just waltz in for what he saw it as, you know, so there was a lot of as much, there was amazing support. There were a lot of people who... Nest, don't always want you to see you succeed mm. especially at an accelerated pace yes they're like no yes. you need to do your time yeah there's people yeah. who've Sit been back here down longer. <laughs> yeah down, you know get in line and mm. I was like no <laughs> like, yes
0: Love and I remember
1: it. there was a moment I was crying in the bathroom I was like I was so hurt I was like I've never done anything to this person I don't know him like yeah, why has he been so horrible and, and literally tried gone out of his way to try and take me out of promotion
0: well that's and his own issue
1: 100%. And yeah. I remember like staring at myself in the mirror. You have one of these like moments. And I was like, all right, well, let's just go prove him. Let's go prove him wrong. Yes. And got the promotion that year, kept continuing to succeed and got the highest bonus within my team, my whole organization at that level for the year. And I just continued to soar. And you got to sometimes, and the biggest thing I've been able to transmute in my life is when you get failure, pushback, because failure is inevitable, pushback is inevitable, challenges is to take that anger, that frustration, and transmute it, which means, like, turn it into f- a fuel. Yes. And it's happened to me then. It's happened to me all throughout my own business journey as an entrepreneur, as a founder, and being like, all right, there's a setback. This isn't working. And you feel angry, and you feel frustrated, and you're, like, banging your head against the wall, and you're like, all right, what can I do about this? And I think those are the moments that are so key because so many people are going to face them. It's inevitable if you try anything, There's going to be moments where it fails. It doesn't work out as you intended or planned. And it's like, how can I take this anger? And do I either sit back and go, I've been defeated. It obviously isn't meant for me. I should give up. Or do you take it and go, screw this. I know what I want. I'm going after it. I'm going to use this as a platform or use this as fuel to make me want it even more. And that's been the
0: biggest lesson. That's great advice, Um, Laura. And I suppose there's going to be people listening to us who are starting their entrepreneurial journey today. And just keeping that in mind, I think, is very, very important.
1: Yes. And honestly, one of the things that's helped me so much is studying manifestation. Because once you understand how things are created, you're like, okay, it may not happen this month. It may not happen next month. It may not even happen this year. But I know where I'm going. I'm so clear on that. The path may not turn out as expected and that's okay. but I know where my destination is. And that kind of focus and vision, it's undefeatable.
0: Yeah. If you could start all over again, Laura, what, if anything, would you do differently?
1: Oh, you know, I had this thought as well, because when I first started out my coaching practice, I loved it so deeply and I loved working with women and I was like why did I spend 10 years in finance? Yeah. What was I doing? Why didn't I just start this when I was 19? And you know, as Steve Jobs says it's like you can only join the dots looking backwards and if I hadn't studied finance, if I hadn't gone on and done my career as I did, I wouldn't have likely had the drive to be so passionate about female empowerment specifically. Yeah. And be have the ability to bring in the financial aspect of it and feel so confident and comfortable in teaching that. Yeah. So as much as sometimes you look back and go, God, I really wish I didn't have that moment. Like there's definitely been a couple of bumps I probably could have like asked, you know, the universe to maybe avoid. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> in terms of the journey, it's like it kind of all needed to work the way it did. But yeah.
0: And Laura, I know Bob Proctor was a huge inspiration to you and your journey, but is there anyone else whose career inspires you and why?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. Um
0: I don't so want to honestly put you there's on the no spot now.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, when I think about it, there's not really like any one person that I look to when I'm figuring out my own vision and my journey of where I want to get to. There's definitely people online that I see them succeeding, just in general, like other women. And I'm like, that's amazing that they're able to go do that. And it's definitely a driving to move forward. But I'm so focused on future me, of the future of the witch of Wall Street. And what that vision is and the level of impact we can make and just teaching women about money and investing, like it's so life changing for them, their families, communities. So for me, I'm like, we're writing a new financial her story. And that is so exciting. And that vision and the, the, you know, the visions I have when I'm doing my meditation, whatever, of like seeing just the thousands and thousands of women that we can impact and literally transform their lives for the rest of their life, not just for like a week or two, but for the rest of their life, that is what drives me on. And that is actually where I find my inspiration from.
0: Oh, Laura, I can feel your passion. It's contagious and it's electric. I love it. Um, If our go do listeners want to learn more about your business and the services that you offer, Laura, where can they find you?
1: Well, the best thing to do is go check out my website. It's probably the easiest place to start. It's lauratynan.com. And then on there, there's free resources for anyone who wants to get started on their investing journey, but doesn't know how. So there's a free investing guide that they can download, my podcast, which is all about investing and wealth and woo, that's linked on there. And then, of course, if they're interested in actually getting the support, we have the Witches of Wall Street program, which is a live program that I take women through, literally holding their hand through the journey of investing, because I know it can feel overwhelming
0: for so many. Yes, oh, excellent. Laura, it has been so lovely to connect with you. Congratulations, uh, congratulations on all of your successes. Thank you so much for being a guest on Go Do You. And I'm looking forward to following the rest of your journey. Thank you, Laura Tynan.
1: Thank you so much, Amy Jane. It's been a pleasure.